Bibles, find Ecclesiastes chapter number 9. Um, as Danny and Jonathan Aiken say, wisdom does not always work out immediately in this cursed world, but because of the gospel, wisdom works out ultimately. Ultimately, And here we go again. Here we go with that saying that's been, been anchoring us for months now. Um, ultimacy rules immediacy. And brothers and sisters, we have to learn to preach that to our problems. We have to find the promise of God, the end and the aim of God, that will be eternal, that will be answered, that will be solved, and we have to match that to our present problem. Here's what we run into, though. Life is messy. And a lot of times we say the right thing and do the right thing. And, and, you know, we behave as God has called us to behave, and we still see things blow up in our faces. that ever happened to you guys? Absolutely. And so if we grasp the big message of Ecclesiastes, and there's several, but there's, there's one big message, and that's that life in this world eludes our control. If we grasp that, we wind up asking a huge question. In the face of of life being so messy in the face of control eluding my grasp, how should I live? And that question really, really disturbs us because what we want to do, what we want to do is we want to create a kind of life for us that we really have a lot of control over that people and situations can't disturb. Like we want to create a lane and ride in it and we want to ride in it all by ourselves. The problem is in our culture where there's so much affluence you can do that. You can create this kind of life where it doesn't encounter a lot of friction. But guess what? God will come into that lane like a freight train and give you a collision. Because God intends, God intends to meet every single human being. And it's very uncomfortable to meet the living God. Very uncomfortable. So today as we look at how wisdom without Jesus is meaningless, as we look at things from several chapters, I want us to see again, again, life can feel sort of pointless and meaningless, but these frustrations are meant to drive us to Christ. That's what they're meant for. Let's go together to Ecclesiastes chapter 9, beginning at verse 1 through verse 12. But all this I laid to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. Whether it is love or hate, man does not know. Both are before him. It is the same for all since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good and the evil, to the clean and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As the good one is, so is the sinner, and he who swears is as he who shuns an oath. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun. That the same event happens to all. Also, the hearts of the children of man are full of evil, and madness is in their hearts while they live, and after that they go to the dead. But he who is joined with all the living has hope, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing, and they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Their love and their hate and their envy have already perished, and forever they have no more share in all that is done under the sun. Verse 7. Go, eat your bread with joy, and drink your wine with a merry heart, 
for God has already approved what you do. Let your garments be always white. Let not oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. Verse 11. Again, I saw that under the sun the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. For man does not know his time, like fish that are taken in an evil net, and like birds that are caught in a snare. So the children of man are snared in an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. Wow, what a cheerful passage. The problem with discovering even the usefulness of wisdom is we often are only at the point of receiving wisdom when we've come to the point of trying every dumb thing we can on our own. Isn't that true? The blessing of receiving wisdom sometimes is that we can see those times and instances where we say and do the right thing and everything falls apart on us anyway. So on the one hand, it seems like I might as well just try it myself. On the other hand, it's like, why, why try to figure out what's right and wrong if everything's going to happen anyway? Those are the questions that were literally driving Solomon a bit mad. I don't mean mad in the sense that he was crazy. I mean mad in the sense that he despaired. So let's look today at what it looks like for wisdom to fail you. Because wisdom is a good thing. Wisdom comes down from above. How can wisdom fail you if it's a good thing? Let's consider that together. First, let's remember something. God has a design for everything. If you guys remember the, 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 uh, the scripture from Genesis chapter 1, every time God made something, he said the same thing. What did he say? By some, one person said it. It's good. It's good. Then he made man, and what did he say about man? Very good, very good. So he looked at everything, and it was good. He made man, he said, very good. So you sort of look around, and you go, what happened? Because I don't see that everything is good anymore, and I definitely look at people, and people aren't very good. Amen? Well, if you, some of you guys will remember we were doing the three circles evangelism training. You remember, that's where we start. There's a good design to everything. God's design was good. God did not make a bad thing. God did not ruin it. God has designed the world to work in a certain way, and wisdom exhorts us to get in tune with God's ways. Here's your problem. You're broken, and it's broken. If you were to look in Scripture, Scripture is full of counsel on how to walk wisely, to recognize wisdom, and then to live wisdom out. I'll just throw a few examples up here from Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Some of these are some of my favorite ones to, to look at. You know, I love Ecclesiastes 7.5. It's better to listen to a rebuke from a wise man than to sing the song of a fool. Um, I'll never forget. I'm going to tell on myself. I, I heard this song when I was young. I'll leave it to your parents if I, if I create a knot here. I'll leave it to y'all to untie it. But um, I love this song. I, I would just sit. Oh, what a night, late December back in 63. I, I sing that song every time I heard it. I just loved it. 
one day, not long after I got saved, it was like the Holy Spirit was speaking right into my spirit. He said, hey, dummy, do you know what that song's about? Yeah, it's a good song. It's about having a good time. Oh, what a night. You know? Like, hey, it's about a one-night stand. Suddenly, suddenly, uh, and you can ask Carol, uh, Carol Tetz, I threw away every CD and tape and album I owned. Because I literally realized I had been singing many songs with many fools. And I had rarely ever taken the rebuke of a wise man. I mean, they, they could try it. <laughs> that don't mean, even if I heard them, that don't mean I listened or vice versa. If I listened, don't mean I heard them. The Bible's full of wisdom. And if you discover it, you have a blessing. If you apply it, you have a double blessing. But sometimes you've discovered it, you've applied it, and things still don't work out. You don't believe me? Just Google 20th century martyrs. Many a man and woman who has done the right thing in God's way and it's still not worked out. That's what Solomon's wrestling with, guys. He's saying, man, I've, I've discovered lots of wisdom. I've applied lots of wisdom. And, and, and things just don't always work out for me. You take the rioting that's been going on. Uh, a lot of people, like in Ecclesiastes 8, 2 through 7, it says it's wise to submit to authority. There's a lot of folks who've had their property damaged who hadn't done a single cotton-picking thing to anybody. And they're standing over here on the sidelines going, wait a minute. I was just running my business, my, running my business and minding my business. What, what right have these people to do this? And they, they feel violated. God has a design for everything, and wisdom says you ought to discover that design and walk in that design if all possible. But what Solomon finds frustrating is sometimes you do that and it still doesn't work out. Let me give you a couple choices here when it comes to wisdom and God's design. First choice is we can live by wisdom and trust God that doing right works out over the long haul. You get what I'm saying? We can, we can, we can discover wisdom, apply wisdom, and trust God that it works out right over the long haul. Let me see if I can illustrate it like this. Sometimes I think, sometimes I think we think, okay, I'm a taxpaying citizen who doesn't lie about any of my income. I tithe to my local church, and I seem to struggle. But there's this other person who's always playing these games. They don't honor God with their wealth, and they seem to get and enjoy anything they want to get and enjoy. And you go, something doesn't seem right about this. What Jesus might say is don't be like those guys who pray to be seen. In other words, they're getting their reward on the short side. Rather, we want to be those people who walk by wisdom and trust that we'll get our reward on the long side. Does that mean you never enjoy anything in life? I don't know. I drive a pretty sweet minivan. And uh, according to some sources, it'll fly. You know? That thing will even got warm your hiney up in the wintertime. It's pretty awesome. It's got seat warmers. Uh, I, I got an awesome life and an awesome wife and an awesome family. I think you get all kinds of sweet things in life. But we tend to think God's not good when things aren't working out. What he's telling us is play the long game with God. Even if wisdom seems to blow up in your face, it's not going to blow up in eternity. It's going to be right in eternity. Or, or play the role of the escapist. Solomon's testimony is that he played the role of escapist. He escaped through so many avenues, success, pleasure, 
all sorts of pleasure. And we'll just leave it at that. Amen. Power. All these things he chased. And he says, I'm telling y'all, I'm telling y'all, that is a chasing after the wind. What if you do become the richest guy? What if you do uh, enjoy the most types of relationships you want to enjoy? What if you do have the power to, to do pretty much whatever you want to do? And what if you get to do it for 150 years? What would Jesus say in the face of that? What does it profit a man to do what? Gain what, church? The whole world and lose what? Solomon saying, okay, ain't worth it. It's not worth it. Yes, wisdom seems to fail you sometimes, but ultimately it won't. That life will fail you. There's the choices in the face of wisdom. When we read our passage, and we'll get to it in just a moment, don't worry. When we read our passage in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 1 through 6, you know what got me? I, I realized for the first time that death is an evangelist. You ever thought about that? Death is an evangelist. You, you know what Solomon would tell us? He, he would say, listen, every single one of y'all going to stand in front of God. Are you ready? You know, take a look at yourself. Have you given up on the pursuit of wisdom, righteousness, holiness? Do you think it's not rewarding? Remember, you're going to stand before God. Ha have, you, have you forsaken? Have you forsaken the things of the Lord? Are you in full pursuit of pleasure? Don't forget, you're going to stand in front of the Lord. Death is an evangelist, brothers and sisters. Even if wisdom answers all your questions, you're going to have more questions. Even, even if you understand and get frustrated by the limitedness of wisdom, death is still an evangelist. We'll go to heaven with questions, but we're going to stand in front of God. I always joke and say, Carson, I say, everybody's going to heaven for a few minutes. How do I know? Because the Bible says everybody's going to stand in front of God. You ever thought about that? Everybody's going to go to heaven for a little bit. That's a wild thought, isn't it? You know, I'll never forget... Uh, me and my brother and Carrie this summer were driving to some city, and we saw the most beautiful little ice cream place. I got so excited, I turned the car around, I rolled up in that bad boy, and they had the cotton-picking nerve to only serve soft-serve ice cream. I drove away thinking, that's what it's like to think you're going to go to heaven and get there and not be able to stay. How terrible. God has a design for everything. And often, don't miss what I'm saying, often it feels very frustrating that we do things God ways and it doesn't work. We often think about giving up. Don't. Secondly, why? Sin leads to brokenness and meaningless. And, and you know, meaninglessness. And that, that's really frustrating. Let me give you all a very technical definition of broken. Are you ready? Something is broken if it don't work right. Is that too technical for y'all? Something's broken if it don't work right. What children's poem am I thinking of right now? Humpty Dumpty. Why? Because he was sitting on the wall. What happened to him, folks? Had a great fall. And all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. What did Humpty need? A miracle. <laughs> a, a frying pan. <laughs> that's, what you, that's what you want to do when you're dealing with broken Humpty Dumpty. You want a frying pan. That's what we want to do to people. Fix me, send them, Lord. <laughs> Fix me, cook them. Sin has absolutely ruined this world, and it makes us think even good things are meaningless. 
Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 20, if you have your Bible open. This is a very telling verse. Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. Wow. That makes me think of another verse. All have sinned and did what, church? Fall short of what? So not only have we sinned and fallen short, we didn't, we, didn't, we didn't get to the glory of God. We haven't done good and we have done bad. Wow. We often think the Old Testament and New Testament are separated. Same message. Look down just a few verses. Look at uh, Ecclesiastes 7.29. See, this alone I found that God made man upright, but they have sought out many schemes. If you go back to that, that three-story thing we went through about a year ago. God's design, sin enters the world, it creates brokenness, and what's man do? Schemes, all kinds of ways to deal with the brokenness. Wow. This is so contemporary, y'all. Sin and brokenness has flat out ruined the world, and it's totally frustrating Solomon to the max. So now, I know you're not going to believe me when I say it. Moving toward a close, go to the passage I read earlier. I'm not going to reread it. Um, we're going to sling it up on the, on the screen, but I'm not going to reread it. Let me tell you three lessons from Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Three lessons. Number one, the one thing in life that is certain is death. One thing in life is certain. They say, they say it's as certain as what? Death and a lot of folks die before they ever pay a single tax. Ain't but one thing certain in life. And there's absolutely one thing certain after that life. You know what it is? It's appointed unto man to die and to, who knows the rest of that verse, face the judgment. What should that do to us? That should humble us and make us remember every day, all day, we're going to stand in front of the holy God. You think you're doing okay? Check by the inventory. I love to tell a story. When I was, uh, I just got saved, started going to church, me and Karen weren't married. Uh, I, I loved how church had all these social functions, uh, baby showers, wedding showers, um, fellowship things. And I'll never forget one time they had a thing where they wanted you to bring a dessert. I don't went to the house. I don't work. I don't work myself. And I, and I, mean, I done done it, man. I got this cake. I done cooked this thing. It's wopsided. But I fixed it. I made the, 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 the frosting real high on the side it was down. And, and I was so proud of it. I didn't even own one of them, uh, them, them things you put them in. I did what every good country boy does. I got a beer box and put it in it and took it to church, you know, one of them flat things, you know, because I'm dumb. And I, and I was so happy. And then you get there. You get there, and you set it beside them other desserts, and you go, I think I'm going to take this home, you know, because it, it just looks trashy, right? That's the way most of us live our lives. We cook up our cake, and we compare it to the cakes around us. I know I don't look as good as, you know, I don't even know a famous baker, but so-and-so's cake. But I really look, not to say, I don't look as good as David's cake, but I look better than Michael's cake. The problem is the comparison is not David's cake or Michael's cake or whoever's cake. The comparison is God. The comparison is God. And that, that's where we're going to stand up. He's going to say, do you have the same amount of righteousness as Jesus? Then your cake ain't cooked right. That's tough. One thing is certain, death. You, you know what? Many things are uncertain. If you were to go back and look at Ecclesiastes chapter um, 9, verses 11 and 12, really funny verses. He said, I, I saw under the sun that the, the race don't always go to the swift. 
The battle doesn't always go to the strong. Bread doesn't always go to the wise. Riches don't always go to the intelligent. You think a lot of things in certain, or, I mean, excuse me, are certain in life, and they really are not. And if, you, if you've ever had the pleasure to go to a predominantly African-American church, I've never seen this in a predominantly white church, predominantly African-American church, people will have testimony time, and somebody's going to say, I praise God that I'm clothed in my right mind today. We take that so much for granted that we're doing okay. <laughs> you know, it's sort of shocking for me to tell y'all this. You're not okay. And if you are okay, it is because God is holding you together. Things don't always work out like you think they should. I, I'll never forget, and I just tell this to be funny, and you won't forget it. I'll never forget I was playing ball out of Bush of Fork, and, and uh, man, I was a little bitty dude then. This is the part that makes it unbelievable. Um, I was a little bitty dude, and this great big guy, about 6'7", about 3'30", had slammed a ball down to third base, and, you know, I picked that thing and threw him out at first, and I was running my mouth like, all right, big boy, hit it down here again, you know, and he comes up to bat his next to bat, points the bat at me, and he hits it down there again. I throw that guy out, you know, and, and I'm talking garbage. Like, That's right, big boy, bring it here again, you know. Uh, game was over. We were shaking hands in a respectful, friendly, good sportsman way. And uh, and uh, uh, when he when when I shook his hand, I, I said something ugly. We we'll just put it like this, you know. I, <laughs> I I told him to take that stuff on down the road somewhere. I said, you you know, you ain't got nothing for me. Well, he commenced to chasing me. Just broke out the friendship line and commenced to chasing me. And I discovered real quick he couldn't catch me. And you know, I'd run a little ways. I'm like, nan nan, the boo boo, you know, and. He, he, he'd try to come up on me, and I'd run some more and, you know, say something else to him. That dude got out of breath, man, and I monkey-crabbed him. I did. I jumped on his back and locked on and cut off his wind. I rode him to his knees like a buffalo on the Great Plains. And I took that dude down on his face, and I held on till I was sure he couldn't get up and grab hold of me. And uh, we, we actually became friends. You know, because guys are dumb. We can fight and become friends. Girls will be mad about the color of their fingernail polish for 20 years. But we, we laughed about that. You know, you know, anybody looking on would have said, that guy's going to kill me. Things don't work out like you think they're going to work out. Things don't work out like you think they're going to work out. They rarely work out. No matter how much wisdom you got, Life ain't going to go exactly like you want it to go. Did y'all know that? The third thing, the third thing I want us to see. In that passage, you know what he says in verses 7 through 10? He says, enjoy the simple gifts that God gives us in this life. Enjoy the simple gifts of God. Learn to do that. If you don't know how to do that, learn to do that, church. How many of you guys like the beach? Don't worry, I'm not going to pick on you with so much. I mean, you guys sort of look forward to that first day you can put your feet in the sand. You know, just, I hate it. How many of you guys love that first hot day? Yeah, I, David, I'm just, just liking you more and more. You know, you'll see people, I can't wait for it to get, can't wait for summer. I can't wait for summer. I'm, I'm that guy. I'm that guy that loves that first cool breeze of fall. You go outside, you just smell it. I always think football, too. I mean, football's already started, but I think now it's football weather. How about this? Who can relate to this? Who loves that first summer tomato, tomato thing? It's so much different than the ones you get in the grocery store. 
You put that old good old mayonnaise up on that black pepper, and you just sit there and eat it, just grin. Why don't we enjoy all the good things like that all the time? I mean, whatever's in season, enjoy it. If you love hot weather, enjoy it. If, if I don't love hot weather, I go in and stand beside the air conditioner and thank God for whoever he gave the brain to invent it. Why don't we learn to enjoy You know, that's what God's given us. God has given us. The problem is we're all broke, and we need God to answer our brokenness. I see the time is going away from me. Shannon, just if you would, go to that last point. The gospel, the gospel allows us to recover and pursue God's wise design. See, here's your problem. Sin, sin, it, it, it mars us. It's broken everything. The Bible says that even creation groans to be set free from the curse. You know what we need? We need the forgiveness of God through the blood of Jesus. That's the good news. We're all guilty. We're all limited. We all need God. And God sent his son Jesus to die on a cruel cross. The shedding of his blood pays the penalty of sin. And they really killed him. You know how we know? Because they really buried him. But he didn't stay down. He defeated death. We believe on the finished work of Jesus, and we receive the living lordship of Jesus. You know why? Because sometimes, no matter how smart you are, things don't work out. Nobody is so good that they can face God in their, in their own goodness. Nobody's that good. And nobody's so bad that Jesus will not place all of our badness in his goodness. That's the good news. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 12. Look what it says, folks. It says, Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and prolongs his life, yet I know that it will be well with those who fear God because they fear before him. But it will not be well with the wicked, neither will he prolong his days like a shadow because he does not fear God. In other words, it's not about how good folks are. Even the good folks are sinners. What's the difference? They're hidden in the righteousness of God. So ultimately, it's going to go well with them. Or think about Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13 to 14, the end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every evil deed, excuse me, every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Brothers and sisters, ultimacy rules immediacy. Somebody in this, it's enough people in this room that some of y'all have done right and seen it fail and you've wondered why you did it. But is it, is it, is it even useful to try to live wise? What do I get for that? All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Wisdom is limited. Christ is unlimited. Our frustrations are meant to drive us to Jesus. If we can see the big picture here, how should we live? We should not be so arrogant that we say, I'm good enough on my own, and we should not be so foolish as to try to live for pleasure without God. What should we do? We should enjoy what God has given us because he wants us to have righteous pleasure, and we should depend on God for righteousness and not ourselves. Solomon says, if wisdom has taught me anything, it showed me I'm not good enough, 
what God is. I run an illustration. Most of y'all have seen this. The guy who says, I've invented a way to sharpen my lawnmower blades without cutting the lawnmower off. I've been working on it for years, and here are my final results. Don't do it. That's what Solomon is telling us. I've tried pleasure. I've tried success. I've tried power. I've tried to live under my own steam. I've tried to escape in every sort of pleasure, and I'm telling y'all, it don't work. Wisdom doesn't answer all the questions. Pleasure doesn't fill all the empty places. I need God, and so do you. The only, the only response, the only response is to hold fast to the one that's holding fast to you. That's the only response. Father, thank you for the body and the blood. Thank you for wisdom that helps us navigate a broken world, but thank you more so for Jesus. Because even when wisdom fails us in this life, ultimately it will not. Ultimately, it will satisfy. Ultimately, all truth will win. Thank you, God, that truth came as a person and made a relationship with us so that in him we'll win forever. In Jesus we pray, amen.